Just a quick note before we start this podcast, huge shout out to Nikki for joining us. If you guys hear um, some jumpy editing or if it's hard to hear at some points, I apologize. Both of us have been working in between our kids' schedules to get this out to you. So we've recorded over different time periods. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back to the Crime Connect podcast. Today we are discussing one case and the case that everybody is talking about, the case of Tamla Horsford, who was found dead in Georgia back in November. Was it an accident? Was it a murder? Who knows? We're going to find out or we'll try to find out with some details. Joining me today is Nikki. She's one of our Crime Connect admins. And she is all over this case. Say hi. Hello. Um, So, Nikki, do you want to take us through the basic timeline to start? Okay, sure. So, apparently, they were having a party um, at Jean's house. And um, it looks like they're saying it was a football mom's only party. So, it was supposed to be all females. But from what I've read, she was throwing herself a birthday party. Um, They had several guests there that night. Um, Two, four, six, eight, ten. I'm showing 12 guests that they had uh, at the party, including herself and her boyfriend. Also, Madeline Lombardi, um, who lives there with them. Uh, They were all there. Looks like they had... Tamla arrived at nine o'clock that night or about nine o'clock. Um, they seemed to party a lot. They supposedly they were drinking a lot. Um, apparently doing other things just based on the toxicology report and what was found in Tamla's bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were a couple that left early. Sarah Cockerham, Nicole Lawson left around 1130 um, Bridget Fuller left at about 147 and Marcy Harden left around four, uh, to go to work. And then Madeline Lombardi, um, who is the, the one that lives there, she found Tamala at around nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, apparently she went to, she stepped outside to check the temperature and saw her laying face down in the yard was concerned about the way she was laying. I guess maybe she called out to her. I'm not really sure. Uh, But then she went to wake up Jeannie and Jose, who is Jeannie's boyfriend. Yes. So he discovers that she's not breathing. I think he said he moved her leg to make sure, I guess, to check her if uh, rigor mortis had set in. Yeah, and I think he did that during the 911 call. So Jose calls 911, and then we don't hear about this case. It wasn't in the news that a woman was found dead. There's been no articles until December when Jose himself gets in trouble. And Jose worked as a, well, like a court officer, some sort of court officer. Mm-hmm. And he was fired because one of Tamla's friends was trying to access um, information on her death and request files. 
and he actually got her information where she lived, her relatives, everything, and actually gave it to some of the people that were at the party. Um, and this is the first time we hear about this case because that made the news and her friend was actually on the news um, discussing it. This is a quote from him. He says, for her to believe that her information was leaked by me is grossly incorrect. And I will believe that until the day I die. Anybody can be found. So they have proof that he did this and he's still saying he did not do this. Yeah, it makes me wonder if we can trust what he says. Right. You know what I mean. Well, that and the fact that the story has changed so many times, and that's actually why he was fired. Um, he wasn't actually fired because he he accessed the information. Um, I think ultimately they said that he was fired because they could no longer trust him. Yeah, and he was previously fired as a probation officer. So if if law enforcement themselves can't trust him, I don't understand why they're putting so much weight on what he's saying as a witness. Exactly. It, it's sketchy, at least. Yeah. <laughs> so this starts a kind of contentious battle between what the family and friends are saying happened and their theories and what officials are saying happened and the the homeowner and the homeowner's lawyer. And this is kind of what we have to sift through because there's so much. And some of it is a little crazy and out there. And I feel like some of it is not being focused where it should be. Because if you look at just the facts and the information that we have from the official reports, there is enough there to question things in my opinion so I think what we should start with is probably go back to the police reports of what actually happened that night which we just got what a couple days ago mm-hmm. so according to police in the reports Tamla was the last person to go to bed she went outside for a cigarette on the balcony. Um, And they think officially that what she sat on the railing and fell over. Yes, that's what what they're saying. So originally they didn't think she fell over though. In all the reports originally they thought she had a ground level fall. Like she was downstairs and tripped and fell and they told the witnesses at the house that and so I think that's kind of where some confusion comes hold on Nikki I can't hear you sorry sorry is that better (laughs) yeah that's much better (laughs) okay um So I think that's where some of the confusion comes from of did she have a a trip and fall or did she fall off the balcony? Because I know there's a social media post from the homeowner and it clearly states nobody fell from my deck, right? 
Right. And then there's also a text message that has been shared. Uh, Michelle actually shared that. And I don't know if we went over who Michelle is, but Michelle is one of Tamla's friends who has been very vocal throughout this um, investigation in trying to get information and presenting information. She's been doing a lot of posts on social media and she's actually the one who claims that she's been threatened by the attend the people who attended the party. Um, she actually also claims she was threatened by law enforcement. We can get into that a little later if you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you have the times for the door opening? Because in this home, there's actual recordings of when the door opens and close. Yes, I do. One second. Because there were several. I mean, there was a lot of things that I got confusion with this because the homeowner claims that the time didn't have changed. I guess that was a daylight savings time um, date. And mm-hmm. the homeowner is saying that those times are not accurate because the time did not change on her uh, alarm system because uh, there were a lot of questions about the time of death being listed as one thirty on the death certificate mm-hmm. and right. the alarm system and everything saying that they last saw her at one forty seven. So that's bringing in a lot of confusion because it's like, okay, well, did they really see her at one forty seven or was it twelve forty seven? And they just keep saying one forty seven because of the alarm system. That's one that's really confusing to me. And I don't know anything that doesn't automatically change the time these days. I don't either. Um, If you don't have that setting, but usually everything is set to automatically change. Exactly. And I had mentioned that somewhere in our group when we were discussing that, because that's something new that kind of developed um, when the death certificate came out and people started asking why or how she died at 1.30 and they're saying that all of this stuff happened at 1.47 and they said that there was a difference in time just simply because uh, the time didn't change and we had one of our members actually googled this particular time system that they use or this alarm system they use which is called Arlo and apparently if you google it they do have issues with the times not changing Mm-hmm. Um, I did see one report where somebody actually had two systems um, on two separate areas and one time was changed and the other one did not. So apparently this particular system has had some issues with that. So that part, just just seeing those on Google do kind of give me a little more confidence in what they're saying. But it's really confusing the timeline when they're saying that she was seen at 147 because if, if the time didn't change back like it was supposed to and she died at 130, then really in all of these reports, these witnesses should be saying 1247, right? Right. So, so that part's really confusing. And then it confuses me as far as what time these people actually left the house because these people, you know, they're saying that some of these um party goers left like Bridget left at 147 okay well did she really leave at 147 because she was supposedly the last one that saw Tamla 
did she really leave at 147 or did she leave at 1247? And if you look at the times of the door opening and closing, it says 147, which should have been Bridget. So that's really, according to them, should be 1247. So that whole time thing just really kind of messes up the story and just adds to the confusion of who saw who, when, who left when, and when Tamla actually went out onto the balcony. And this is a really big house. There were no cameras. We haven't heard any cameras mentioned. You know, it's funny that you bring that up because one of the allegations from Michelle, um, as far as the investigation goes, says that the investigator told the family that there were no cameras at one point. Um, Christensen, the, the main detective on the case, but that uh, a Major Joe and Andy Kalen, who are officers as well, told them that cameras were being looked at and checked on two separate occasions. So there are more claims of, you know, false stories being presented by law enforcement. Yeah. And when you said Arlo, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's the same system that was looked at in the Kelsey Barrett case that the neighbor had. Um, so when you said that, I was like, wait a second, I they have cameras. I know that company has cameras. Um, so let's see. So they have really, that's all they have to go by time is these door openings and closing. And then the last time the door opened, but never actually closed. And that's kind of where they're saying that Tamla Right. And they're saying that that was, um, according to the screenshot that, that was shared from the alarm company, um, it was 157, which they now say should have been 1257. So right at one o'clock was when she supposedly went out. That was the last opening of the back door. And then there was never anything shut. Okay. So she went outside to smoke a cigarette. Apparently she was the only cigarette smoker out there. Um, at the party, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they. See so the theory is, and I think we're just guessing based on pictures. Let me know if it was actually in the report. The theory was that she climbed on top of a small propane tank and sat on the railing and may have fallen over that way. Right, and it initially the police said that it was a like a ground. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then after the autopsy was done, they spoke with the coroner and almost sounds like they convinced them that it was, you know, a fall from the balcony. Right. So when the medical examiner got there, he noted um, there were lacerations on her shins, both shins from some sort of metal landscaping thing that was in the yard. She yes. had some abrasions on her face and arms. She had an obvious laceration to her wrist where it looked like it was cut from the inside by the bone. Yes, that's what they determined in the autopsy. Um, and I want to know, and we're going to talk about this specific part later in our theories, but there was no know that there was any blood on the ground from that laceration. I mean, you imagine right. a bone. Right. It was just, skin. it was set 
just um, a stain on her wrist, and there was also one on her right lower leg. Okay. So they turned her over, and I want to read a quote directly from the report because it stuck out at me. The medical examiner says, most notable when Tamla was turned over was the fact that she had come to rest face down. Her head had not been canted to one side or the other. So she had no deformity of the skull. Um, and her she was directly face down. And when we go into her injuries, which I'm going to do now, none of the bones in her face were broken. Her nose wasn't broken. Her jaw was not broken. You think if you're going to fall face first and die, <laughs> maybe something, at least your nose would be broken. Yeah, I would think, and it does specifically say that the nasal bones are intact. Um, the natural teeth are in good repair, which you would also think might be an issue if you fall face first. Right. Um, the mucus and tongue are free of injuries and no foreign material in the mouth, which was really a big thing because you would think that if she's falling, most likely she would be kind of freaking out, possibly screaming or shouting. Um, I would think that there would be a big possibility, especially a, a, in a fatal fall, that at least one or two teeth would have been knocked out or loose and um, definitely some some of the ground probably in her mouth. Right. Yeah. So these things are all of note, we'll say. We're just going to make a note to get back to those things. Um, so during the autopsy, her biggest injuries are that she has an aortic laceration. And I know a lot of people question how, how that happens. And there are a couple ways. It's really common in car accidents or falls because the way that the structure of the heart, I guess, is attached to your body, the force of it kind of one part stops moving before the other part. And it really just separates the aortic um, valve. This is not fatal, though. People live with this. I mean, it can be fatal over time because it, it drains blood into a larger cavity of your heart, but it's not instantly fatal, like it sounds. Um, the other way you can get this is actually with high blood pressure, and a lot of people with uh, cocaine problems or people who do meth will get this and end up in the hospital with chest pains or heavy breathing, stuff like that. Um, her other injury was a broken neck. She had a, um, it was the second cervical vertebrae. This is the worst of the worst place you could break your neck. It accounts for 2% of all spinal cord injuries. And it's basically the vertebrae that controls when your neck moves from side to side. This is mostly fatal. And it can control things like your breathing. So it can be instantaneously fatal. Um, if she fell from the deck, my best guess would be that's what killed her. Um, she also had the hemorrhaging of the skull, three different types of hemorrhaging. 
no broken skull. There were no fractures in the skull, just hemorrhaging. So um, one of the hemorrhaging was caused by an artery, which is common in strokes or aneurysms. So you can imagine um, probably from the fall, things got jumbled and the force of it cut arteries and stuff and that caused the hemorrhaging. But again, no broken skull like you would imagine. Um, and also I looked up each one of these types of hemorrhaging and again, they aren't really fatal um, instantly. There are things that can be fixed if you get, get to a person in time. Um, obviously you'd have to get to that person, but I want to point that out because I have other stuff to talk about, about whether she died instantly or she took a long time to, to pass away. Um, so those were the biggest injuries. And then what they did was they took blood, they took a urine sample and they took what's called a vitreous fluid sample. And that's the fluid in your eye. Um, and they take the eye fluid because it's supposed to be um, kind of isolated from the decomposition process in your body. So it's supposed to, it's supposed to be the purest kind of uh, fluid they have in a body to test for different things. Now, they do say that she tested positive for Xanax, marijuana, and she had a 0.238 blood alcohol level. They don't really say um, if all of that showed up in the vitreous fluid, though. But right. the alcohol level, the legal alcohol level in Georgia is a 0 0.08. And she had a 0 0.238, which is a lot. Yeah, that's only and, three times. Right. And when you read that, you think... Oh, of course she fell. She was on Xanax and she drank a shit ton and marijuana and she made a bad decision and of course she fell. But I'm going to I'm going to say this. I have big doubts about whether she was actually that drunk. And I'm going to explain it. When you die, your obviously when you're alive, your body handles different substances. You metabolize things differently. And then when you die, some of those processes change. When you die with alcohol in your system and you're not found right away and that sample can't be taken right away, your body actually ferments the alcohol. And you have more alcohol in your body than when you actually die. So if she died instantly, or if she was already, you know, dead long before they found her, there's a good chance that the alcohol just sat in her body and fermented. And this is not an accurate reading or an accurate picture of how drunk she was. And you could look this up. You could Google it. It's called microbial metabolism. And I looked at studies that um, have some concerns about when they're testing drivers in car accidents, in fatal car accidents, whether their 
alcohol level is accurate at the time of the sample and whether they can actually classify them as a drunk driver if they've been dead for a certain amount of time. So that is something to think about. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense because that is an insane amount of alcohol in her body. The other thing about the Xanax was that the medical examiner classifies it as the lower than the lowest caliber of 0.25 micrograms per liter. And there's nothing, I, I made sure to check, there's nothing in her stomach contents that suggests she took the Xanax recently. So it wasn't a Xanax that had just started to kind of absorb in her body. To me, it sounds like it was a Xanax she took maybe the day before, maybe the night before to help her go to sleep. It wasn't something that was like that active in her body. So given these two things, if she wasn't really on the Xanax and if she wasn't actually that drunk, I think it calls into question her decision-making skills and were they that poor that she ended up falling off a balcony. If that makes sense. So if one thing that was in the report, um, they did mention that she brought a blue bottle of tequila. Yes. And they claimed that she was the only person to drink from that bottle. Right. And it said in the report that the bottle was observed to be approximately one-eighth full. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of the bottle was gone. And they claim that she was the only one that drank it. However, it does not state how large the bottle was. Mm. So we don't know if it was like a fifth or, right. you know, how much uh, tequila was actually in that bottle. Right. Or if she was drinking it straight or if it was mixed drinks. Um, and obviously, if she got there at nine and started drinking it and was drinking until, you know, one o'clock, that you know, four hours there that she could have been drinking that. Right. We also, also say, oh, go ahead. Did, do we know if they took a blood sample for anybody else at the party? Uh, as far as I know, they did not. That's one of the things that her family and friends are really adamant about is saying that the investigation was not clear okay. or not thorough is that nobody else was tested for anything. Um, and that's one of the things that they're talking about with the Xanax because they are saying that she did not have a prescription for Xanax. So they want to know if anybody else at that party had a prescription for it or where that Xanax would have come from. Right. And I did read, though, in the report that they all smoked the marijuana, or at least she wasn't the only one that smoked the marijuana. So, I mean, I don't think she drank by herself either. Even if she was the only one who drank the tequila versus, like, what whatever else they had there, wine, rum, whatever. I just yeah, think I think they, everybody was partying. I think yeah. um, they, they stated that they were all partying until, I think, 1 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Now, we have two theories. Well, the only two theories are is that she fell accidentally or somebody murdered her. And obviously, her friends and family are claiming that 
a murder or a suspicious death, that something is not being told correctly here. Right. The only thing I can see, um, I obviously I have my question about the alcohol content and the Xanax, and I have I have my questions about whether she fell from there at all. Now, let's say somebody just put her on the lawn as opposed to dropping her off the balcony on purpose. How would she have gotten the hemorrhaging in her head? And I have the only thing I know, and I know this from if you watch the staircase on Netflix, um, they discuss different ways you can have that hemorrhaging without having a skull fracture. So I actually know this from that is that if you are to hit um, somebody's head very hard, but in a close range, like let's say against the wall, like you're right up against the wall and you bring somebody's head against the wall, that will cause the hemorrhaging and it, enough hemorrhaging for death without creating the skull fractures. Skull fractures or more likely with um, a weapon or with a fall, but a strong force in a close proximity, like a wall or a floor, will create that hemorrhaging. So to me, if somebody was taking her and assaulting her, let's say on the floor, and banging her head against the ground, um, I think that would cause that. And maybe they panicked and put her there in the lawn. Because I don't see how some of those injuries happened, but she has no broken bones in her face, if that makes sense. Right. And one of the things that I questioned um, was that those injuries that she had on her shins Mm -hmm. that were from the landscaping tool uh, according to the reports, the landscaping, I guess, item that was there mm-hmm. was a, like a, I guess, a, I guess you would call it like a ridge, um, but it was just something that was about an inch high, mm-hmm. and it was separating the rocks and the, I think, wood chips. Going back to it right, right now, um, but that was the what they considered the landscaping item, and it was right next to the patio, right? Like she, if she fell, she fell like directly next to the patio, right? And that's not where her body was, so right? That, okay, so it says it was a plastic divider on the ground level between the gravel off of the patio and the mulch at the grass line and it was a one inch above the gravel level but her body was further out than that and i know that somebody had stated that they thought she had maybe crawled Mm -hmm. which is i mean if you fall and break your neck that's pretty instant yeah one thing, it's though, on the, on the actual death certificate, it states that her injury was at 1.30 mm-hmm. a.m. 
Um, it says it was an accident, but it says that the approximate interval between the injury and death was minutes. So, you know, minutes can be anywhere from anything less than an hour, really. So apparently they're saying, even with a broken neck, that, you know, she could have been alive for several minutes and, and possibly moved. If that happened, that could explain why, you know, possibly could explain why she was in such a, I guess, neat position. Because I think the position she was in, like you said, it's very odd to be completely face down. Um, She had both legs pointed towards the patio. And Mm -hmm. then her right arm was down towards her side. And her left arm was towards her side but then the hand itself was at I think they said a 40 degree angle right it was a little weird the way it was positioned almost now the feet were pointing like you said towards the patio but like down towards the patio right right yeah almost indicative of being dragged right yeah yeah definitely so I mean it definitely sounds like she was positioned it doesn't really sound like an injury that would, I mean, I would think that with a fall, if you fall and, you know, something happens like that, if you fall from 14 feet and fall face down, I would think that when you land on your feet, your ankles are going to turn, you know, I would think Mm -hmm. that you would, you would have some injury there too. Yeah. I would also feel like she would have not just had the broken wrist, but like a broken ankle or a broken knee. Unless she fell literally head first. But I feel like if she had fallen head first, she would have that broken skull or more like canting of the head. Like the medical examiner said it was it was interesting that she did not have that. And I feel like if the medical examiner pointed that out, you know, that's definitely something that stood out to me too. Right. And also, I mean, just the fact that she had so many injuries to her face you know her face was apparently pretty messed up yeah to have that many injuries to the face and all different areas of the face and not have any bone injuries that's a little bit weird too considering it was a fatal fall from 14 feet yeah I I don't feel like the injuries support the fall I don't the only thing that supports the fall is that aortic laceration. Right. Um, but I don't, who knows? You may be able to get that through a violent assault. You never know if it's yeah. moving or just the fact if somebody kind of dumped a body, who knows what that would cause. Especially if you're already hemorrhaging and perhaps your blood pressure is high for for a reason related to injury could then being tossed even a few feet cause that I don't know obviously I'm not a doctor but these are things that make me think you know um well one question that I have is you know and not to discount anything actually happening to her by a person but what about an aneurysm you know something like that that may have happened um inside the house it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why they would cover it up unless they thought that it had something to do with the partying they were doing 
I I had that um, theory too that it, um, some sort of instant death inside the house, an aneurysm or drug related, like maybe a, the aortic laceration came from drugs um, mm-hmm. or something that they thought was drug related. And then my theory was that after rigor mortis set in, perhaps they were panicking. Um, they did toss her off the balcony, and because she was stiff, that's how her wrist broke. Right. But would that really explain, I guess the question there is, how would we explain the injuries that she had to her face? Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of a toss-up, you know? It really could go either way. And if, if... So my theory is that if a murder did happen, that it was one person there, not the entire group. And the only only thing I could really think of is that after everybody went to bed, maybe she went outside and somebody followed her outside. Possibly one of the three men that were there, which we still haven't had an explanation for, um, maybe some sort of advance was made towards her and she didn't agree with it because everything I've heard about her is that she's super nice and very playful. And I think all of us women know that if you're playful, some men can take that the wrong way, not against us at all, but men need to know that playful doesn't mean we're hitting on you. Um, And maybe one of them. Huh? He said toxic masculinity. Favorite thing to rant about. Yeah. Toxic masculinity. Um, So I'm thinking it didn't go the way this guy wanted. And the end result was a murder. That's really the only real murder theory about this. Right. And just to be clear, as far as the men that were there, Thomas, one of the men that was there that Jose said he was down in the basement watching TV with, mm-hmm. um, he's actually married to Stacy. Okay. So that he's married. Jose, of course, is Jeannie's girl, Jeannie's boyfriend, right. the homeowner's boyfriend. And then Mike, who was the third guy that was listed on the guest list that really wasn't talked about much. I found out that he was Jennifer's, he is, they have a child together and they're considered in a common law marriage. Mm-hmm. So apparently all three of those men that were there are coupled up, which kind of leads me to question why Tamla was there without her husband. I know, I mean, maybe it was just that he was, he had to stay home with the kids but, you know, you would think, I know, I know my husband, you know, if I was going to a party, a sleepover of, uh, you know, as far as that goes, especially a sleepover where there were going to be guys and, you know, couples, he would want to come. Right. Yeah. A, a lot of people have questioned this sleepover thing and saying it's odd. To me, I don't find an all girl sleepover odd even for adults you know what right like to do silly things I wouldn't question that I wouldn't be scared to to go to one 
but I definitely would not be drinking and hanging out in my pajamas at a sleepover where there were multiple men present and my husband wasn't there. Exactly. I would find that very weird. And I don't understand why it was kind of identified as this all-girl sleepover and then yet there were men there. Right. And another thing that I've seen is that one of her friends, one of Tamla's friends actually said that she had, before the party, she had told her that she was going, but she didn't plan on staying the night. And I guess she changed her mind because she did take a bag or maybe she just took a bag in case she felt comfortable enough to spend the night. Mm -hmm. But I guess originally she said that she was going to go and then, and then go home. But I kind of question that because why would you bring, you know, if the allegations are true and if she did bring a bottle of tequila and according to the report, the police found the bag of weed in her, in her bag. So if you're taking tequila and weed to a party you would think that you're not going to plan on driving back home right. or you would hope that she's not going to plan on driving back home. And then considering the fact that her BAC was, you know, almost three times the legal limit, you really wouldn't think she'd be driving home. So I know both of us kind of have questions about what we're being told in this case. I know from the beginning, I was very frustrated that we weren't getting a lot of information and the information was coming in bits and pieces. Um, And then all of a sudden, like a bombshell would come out and we'd be like, wait, what? And I question why we're not getting the whole story at once. You know what I mean? Um, I wish sort of that the family would just show their whole hands tell us exactly what the situation is because now there are actually allegations of being threatened by the police about the medical examiner showing up in a courtroom to intimidate Mm -hmm. somebody a lot of weird accusations going on but then we also have the one claim that the house that this happened in was up for sale and there was going to be an open house and then we find out that's totally not true and they were actually right. telling people to go to the house and take pictures. So how do you feel about, you know, who to trust in this case? So my opinion on that, and, you know, we actually in our group were fortunate enough to have a member who didn't live too far from that house. And she actually drove by herself and, you know, was able to tell us that it was not up for sale. There was no open house. And then Jeannie's ex-husband posted a statement saying that it was not for sale. It was not up for sale. So, you know, that was obviously a blatant lie coming from a friend or family member. My whole issue with this, uh, the investigation and the way things are being played out is that a lot of these allegations there's really a lack of proof Mm -hmm. compared to the actual reports and law enforcement documentation now you know we know that law enforcement is not always 
thorough, not all, you know, there are some corrupt officers, things like that. From what I've read, that particular county has some issues, you know, aside from not necessarily corrupt officers, but they've claimed family and friends have claimed that there's, there are racial issues Mm -hmm. in that County. And, you know, I've actually read articles and there's been a book written about that. So it, it does seem to be something that is possibly true, but as far as this case goes, it, it's really hard to believe honestly what the family is saying when they don't have anything to back up their claims, most of them. Now, some of them, they do have, you know, evidence to back it up, but a lot of this stuff, they, they really can't back up. And then when they report things that are obviously and blatantly not true, that kind of makes it a little bit harder to trust what they're saying. Um, What they've had and what I've seen, unfortunately, is a a strong hatred towards the people that went to this party. Yeah. Yeah. And I completely understand, you know, if you feel like something is wrong and you feel obviously when you lose somebody who is important to you, it's hard and it's hard to deal with. But I feel like a lot of these allegations and these these posts that they've made have been fueled more by their hatred for these people than the actual facts. Because some of these things that are being said, you know, just like the house being for sale are coming up false. Right. And it's almost as if Tamla had like two separate friend groups because the group that was at the party was her football mom group, which as a mom, you know, when you're with those people every day for practice during the week and games on the weekend, you develop really strong friendships. I, I know I grew up in that whole lifestyle, my dad being a football coach, my brother playing. So I totally get that. And then you have those friends who are pushing the story that this was a suspicious death. And I don't know if they know each other. I haven't seen anything that says that those two sides actually interacted at any point. No, all I've seen are the allegations and I, I have seen some really ugly rumors coming from the friends that are against the party goers. Um, you know, some really, really ugly accusations as far as they've gone so far as to accuse somebody of sleeping with football coaches in order to advance their child and get their child more playtime, things of that nature. So again, it seems like a lot of this is stemming from hate more so than actual facts. Yeah. I mean, and that makes it really hard for you to believe what they're saying. And also really honestly, For me, it's a little bit harder for me to be sympathetic towards the family. I know that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to lose somebody, but I just, I really hate the way they're going about this. Yeah, and we see this all the time in cases. We really want to be behind a victim and find answers, but a lot of times we kind of have to step away and do it our own way because we don't agree with the path that some people take to get their answers and now we know that all the people at the party including the homeowner have filed a defamation suit 
against mm-hmm. one of Tamla's friends who's making a lot of these accusations. Um, and I'm curious to see what will come with that. Like I've said in our group and I've said uh, in other cases, we usually get a lot more information from civil suits than we do criminal cases. So I, I think this may give the homeowner and the friends that were at the party a chance to defend themselves. Um, I would be interested to know if they went to Tamla's funeral, if they were um, as upset by her death as, you know, a normal friend would be. Some of the messages I've seen kind of seem a little cold, but it's really hard to judge when you're just reading a text message or a social media post. Right. And I know that one of the posts that it's, I believe it's in our group as well. And it's the, the post that Jeannie made. It's actually the one where she said that nobody fell from her deck. Mm -hmm. She did say to, you know, she asked if you could please refrain from spreading idle gossip and speculating. And she was also talking about the loss of a dear friend and, you know, things of that nature. So we have seen some, I guess, nice talk about her, but at the same time, like you said, I'd be very interested to know if they went to the funeral or if they've done anything else. It's, it's really, you know, when, when there's a group of people and they're fighting against the family, mm-hmm. it just turns into this really nasty situation mm-hmm. that you hate to see. And really uh, the, tragedy of it would be is if this was just an accident and these people are just kind of thrown into this you know big ball of fire now a couple months later you know where they're having to defend themselves and and their children because some people are putting pictures of their children online and we I mean if anybody's a member of Crime Connect you know we do not let that stand at all and I know the homeowner Jeannie her ex-husband has posted about leaving the kids out of this and it's kind of a toss-up I don't know what else to say about it other than it can go in either other way I wish there were more documents to view I wish there was a sense of a deeper investigation um, because I have a lot of questions about why Jose did what he did with the accessing information. I have questions about why he would take that back to the group. I have questions about um, some of the injuries she suffered and some of the injuries she did not suffer. But it's really not just speculation. We can't come to a real conclusion, unfortunately. Right. And, and going back to this Jose thing and, and what he supposedly found and took back, you know, obviously he's denied taking anything back to a group. And, you know, like you said earlier, he basically said anybody can be found, anybody can find this information online, which obviously you and I know to be true. You can find a lot of information, more than people think you can find online. Um, but one of the claims, you know, we you spoke earlier of the claims that Michelle's making about being threatened. 
um, one of the claims that she's saying is that the detective that was handling the case told all of the witnesses, everybody at the party, to file false, she claims they're false stalking reports Mm -hmm. against her and also told them to get weapons permits. Mm -hmm. Um, She claims that this has been documented and that he was, quote unquote, demoted to a street cop. So that's another thing right there. You know, it's really possible that if Jose is telling the truth, maybe he didn't take any information back to anybody. And these claims that they're making are under the direction supposedly of the detective. Right. That's true. And she also claimed that she was threatened by Detective Andy Kalen, who is a friend of Jose's. Uh, She said that he found her information, called her ex-husband, and said that she was a conspiracy theorist. So she was upset about that, saying, obviously, that that was, you know, a privacy breach and completely unnecessary. But, again, that's her word against his. Yeah. You know, I don't. I haven't seen anything to back that up. I haven't seen the ex-husband corroborate that story. I haven't seen any type of lawsuit documentation, anything like that. So like a lot of these claims, it's kind of one of those things that they're saying, but it's not really able to be proven yeah and I'm no stranger to a small corrupt town I lived several years in one uh, small country town that's very racist very very corrupt and so when I hear these things to me they're totally believable because I've seen similar things happen it's just hard like like we said it's just hard to know who is telling the truth? I don't know. Right. And unfortunately, you know, you want to believe people. You want to, like you said, we try to, we were always victim friendly in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the true victim here is Tamla. Yeah. She's the one who passed. But, you know, as far as the family goes, you know, obviously you want to believe what they're saying, but. As we've seen in recent cases, there are, you know, people that are making false claims, especially for these sensitive topics like racism or sexual preference, things of that nature that are simply for attention or, you know, even possibly for civil suits to get money. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's what's happening in this case. But when you look at what they're presenting, they don't have a lot of evidence to back up these allegations. And then like what we were saying earlier, when they make these comments and these, you know, like the house being for sale, they say things that are just false. Mm -hmm. It makes it even harder to believe a lot of these other things that they're saying when they don't have anything to back it up. There was also the claim that she was a sacrifice at some yes. sort of satanic ritual. Yes. And <laughs> when we hear that, this is not 
a normal accusation to me. Right. So it's a little bit of a reach. Um, you know, and, and what I've seen a lot of, you know, talking about those common or, you know, the, the most notable theories that are out there, there are a lot of, of comments about that being a theory and Mm -hmm. what they basically make it look like is a racial murder and her being a sacrifice. And I've even seen it written that one of the party goers um, was the high priest of all of this. But then it turns out that he's somebody's, you know, he's in a couple. So I feel like people are kind of reaching to try to, I think, I think, are really just trying to make sense of what happened mm-hmm. and possibly just kind of reaching for answers. Yeah, and it is very easy to go down a rabbit hole or to go more towards a conspiracy. We've all been there and I mean we follow a lot of cases and we always have to take certain things into consideration and what if this happens? And sometimes it is very easy to get stuck in, in that kind of theory. Um, I don't know what it is about conspiracy theories that people latch on to, but we see it all the time. Well, and it's not like those things haven't happened in the past, right. but they're not the common things to happen. They're, you know, they're more of the exception to the rule. Right. So... I think for that accusation to be thrown out there, there really needs to be some sort of solid reason for there to be, you know, like who, what kind of group is this? What religion, so to speak, are they practicing? What cult are they in? And where did that accusation come from? Did somebody state it? All, All they've said is, you know, she's been she was a sacrifice Mm -hmm. and this person was the high priest and you know it's just like okay so where like you said where is it coming from what group do you think they're with what type of sacrifice would this be um what would it be for things like that that they're just not they're not sharing it's almost like they're just throwing things out there which you know a lot of people are there are a lot of theories out there like you know her falling off the rail the sacrifice theory i've seen theories of her just sitting on the rail you know and you know obviously being really messed up at a party you do things i know i personally when i've been really drunk i've done things that you know probably when i was sober i would never do you know things that might be dangerous things like that just for fun Um, Or just not thinking about the consequences. And one of the theories that I've seen was that she was sitting there, you know, facing the grass and that somebody was playing with her and went up and like gave her a hug or something like that. Accidentally pushed her over the edge. So those are (laughs) common theories that I have seen was just an accidental fall, an accidental push um, obviously, we've seen the intentional murder and then the sacrifice thing, which which personally I feel like is the the most unbelievable and the furthest reach yeah. as far as this particular case goes. I think that's 
that's kind of, in my opinion, just a little bit ridiculous and kind of over the top. Yeah. And we really haven't seen anything to back it up at all. Right. Now, one thing that does bother me um, when it comes to these, this injury and what happened, you know, obviously we talked about the post that was made saying that there was no fall from her deck. Mm -hmm. But then there are also screenshots, and we put these in the group as well, of text messages from her, from the homeowner, saying, quote, unquote, she wandered outside in the night for a cigarette, and she died. The cops know she didn't fall, but don't know until the autopsy comes back. Yeah. So, again, you know, that's the second thing. That's the second quote that she's got that there is actually in writing where she's saying that there was no fall. And that makes me wonder if there truly wasn't a fall. And now they're all of a sudden making that up to cover something or if they truly just didn't know in the beginning. And, you know, one thing that has been brought up is that, you know, it possibly at the, at that time, she didn't want to state there was a fall due to liability issues. And what's interesting about that statement is that she says they know not they think, or they're pretty sure she's going to fall, but they know. And it almost sounds like she's confirming what she knows is that there isn't a fall. And you can almost make that argument. She knows there wasn't a fall and the police know there's not a fall. If you were going to nitpick at how people word things, that one kind of stuck out to me. But it really could just go. Well, and then there's also the allegation that she tried to bribe the officers. Um, There's another screenshot posted in the group that was documented of her saying that she or not her saying but it was actually her going into the room and speaking to the officers and you know telling them that she wanted to get them gift cards and they said that it wasn't really right that it would be weird for them to accept them while the investigation especially while the investigation was open so that's another allegation that Michelle has made as far as this being a cover-up and being corrupt police work is her attempt to bribe law enforcement with gift cards. And I think it was even said they were gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts, which I kind of find hilarious, but. <laughs> was that the meaning that Tamla was found that she was trying to give them the gift cards? Yes, that was when they were interviewing. Apparently, they were actually interviewing um, Madeline, who was, was the one that found her initially. And supposedly, she walked in during that interview and tried to, you know, tell them that, that she was going to get them gift cards. So, Michelle actually said that, you know, not only was she trying to bribe them, but she was also breaking into an interview to see what was being said. Yeah, that is. And it does kind of make sense. Yeah, it's, it's a really odd thing when you have a death at your home to be thinking about gift cards. I mean, that's always something you could do at a later time if you really wanted to. That is really odd. It is. And, you know, Again, that theory about the liability issue, that 
does kind of make sense as far as why she would say nobody fell from my deck and, you know, maybe, and they, there was no fall is just that she was hoping that it wasn't anything that could be turned around on her. Mm-hmm. You know, Tamla does have a husband and five children. So if there was a, an accident at her home, you know, obviously they would have the potential to file a lawsuit against her and, you know, make a claim and possibly get paid, even though it would be an insurance claim against homeowners insurance, you know, it's possible that she was trying to avoid that. It's yeah, it's possible. It just seems like if my good friend died, you know, no matter how she died, I, my priority would be grieving at that time. Right. Well, and, and again, you know, if, if she died and I mean that the one part that doesn't make sense is why would you plant her on the ground and make it look like a fall from the balcony? Mm -hmm. Even if you're saying there's not a fall, it comes up in the autopsy and in the final report that the cause of death was a fall. So, you know, why would you say that? And then, you know, make it look like a fall or unless she really was, you know, found like that and it was an accident and she was just hoping that it wouldn't turn out to be a fall from the deck. Right. Or she just wasn't the one involved in the, the whole thing. Right. Yeah, it's just so hard to come to a conclusion. I hope we I hope if the civil case goes forward that we get some more information from it. Although oftentimes these are um closed in settlements. And the media really has sort of grabbed onto it a little bit now, but once they officially closed the case, which they did after all the attention came, um the media hasn't really been following up on it well I have seen one um there there was one reporter that wrote a story about the possibility that there was foul play um Mm -hmm. and that there was some evidence as far as she brought up the internet post from Jeannie saying that there was no fall and this particular reporter was actually asking the attorney and the family and the friends, even Michelle, who's been very vocal on Facebook. She was, she was asking all of them to give her an interview and everybody was refusing to talk, Mm -hmm. which I found a little odd. Uh, You know, it's possible that the lawyer told them not to talk, but everything that they're posting on Facebook you know, it, it's, it's things that the reporter can see. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, those written words are a lot more damning than a verbal interview. Absolutely. Yeah. So, because you actually have, you know, I mean, you have visual proof to back up what you're reporting. So it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to me that they aren't willing to talk to her unless they're not willing to talk because they, you know, may say something that would be contradictory to something that, that they've posted. 
it is it, it's just odd all the way around it started all on and it seems like it's kind of coming to a really odd close <laughs> it is and I think there's a lot well I can't say that I think because now it seems like they've kind of gone quiet even though from my understanding in the family run group they're still posting a lot of accusations and I think that you know, hopefully we will see these and get these posted in our group. I know we've been able to get a lot of that stuff posted and keeping people informed on on what they're saying over there, even though they've actually moved that group to a secret group. So a lot of us aren't able to see that. But, you know, there are still things that are kind of being shared or being being put out there that is, are being said. And I think that some of that stuff is still coming and I hope that it continues to come. I hope they don't just shut down completely and just stop everything. But I I really feel like there's more to this and there's going to be a lot more to come. And, you know, who knows how long this is going to be drawn out. I, I hope that they can come to a relatively quick closure of this case like real closure you know and come to true answers if this report is not true mainly for her family's sake especially the husband and you know her husband and her children but you know at the same time I I just hope that they're not chasing crazy crazy ideas and theories just because they don't want to believe the truth. Yeah. And I think bottom line, like you said, Tamla here is the victim. And I hope that all sides really take a breath, take a step back and look at it and, and realize that Tamla's family, her kids, her husband, her father, they deserve to feel like they have answers. Right. And at the same time, we don't need to destroy people to get those answers. If those people had nothing to do with it, if the people at the party are just sort of innocent bystanders in all of this, they don't deserve all of this either. Right. And And I I mean, obviously, those people have children, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. All of them, because they were all football moms. Exactly. Exactly. And so these, you know, you have to think about these kids also that are going to school and, you know, hearing about how their parents or, you know, their mom was a murderer and things like that. I mean, obviously that's going to have an impact on them and on their daily life. And just being that they, they did get a lawyer and, you know, file this suit for defamation almost you know again it goes back to the family and friends making these allegations without having proof to back it up yeah yeah it's I hope I hope it it doesn't get uglier than it is now yes and I hope that we really because I think we've covered everything and all the questions people had I put a thread up for people to ask questions I hope we covered everything. I don't think this is going to be the end of this case. And I I don't know how long, if ever, we're going to get an 
accurate, an accurate answer that we all feel okay with. I mean, if you look at the, what is it, Kendrick Johnson case from, I think that case is in Valdosta, Georgia, has been years and years of trying to get the answers. So I think we're in this one for the long haul. And I think we just need to keep level heads and, and try to find the answers and not make up things that sound interesting, you know? Right. And I think, you know, obviously we're going to continue to post things in the group. Obviously some of the things just like the, the home being for sale, we're not going to be able to verify right away, but as soon as we are able to verify the information, whether it's true or false, you know, we want to keep everybody updated on that. And hopefully everybody in the group will participate as well. And, and, you know, if they're interested in getting this information, looking for things and finding things and sharing it with the group, just to keep everybody informed and to, you know, share as much information as possible. Yeah. Just in the hopes that, you know, everybody can kind of try to figure out what happened yeah, and if anybody out there is has made it this far in the episode, if you have information to share and you're just scared, we always accept information anonymously. You can message the Crime Connect uh, Facebook page or the Crime Connect Admins Facebook page, which are both listed in the group. Um, message us there and we will post under our page your information without naming you. We have never named a person that's given us anonymous information. So that's always, you know, an option. If anybody has stuff to share, we would love to hear from people who knew Tamla, who know the party goers, anybody who has any information, anything that we've missed or can explain something that we're confused about. We would love to hear from you. So I think that about covers it for this case. Thank you, Nikki, for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on this. Yes, and we'll have you back for another episode soon. Um, So I hope you guys all enjoyed. Thank you. If you enjoyed this, please join our Crime Connect Facebook page. From there, you could join our main group, The Vault. And we have so many different case-specific groups. They're all listed on the Crime Connect page. I would love for you to join us and follow us. See you there.